Hello, everybody. Welcome back to More Than Us. I'm your host, Richard Swoop. Today is Monday, May 11, 2020. We find ourselves yet again in another week of quarantine. I'm starting to take joy in the slow pace of life. It's a bit refreshing, to say the least. Um, if you haven't yet, check out my Instagram page for news and posts about new episodes that are released. Um, of course, if you want to dig deeper, feel free to shoot me a DM with some questions or thoughts that you may have, and definitely share the page. Um, give me feedback on the content. And yeah, I mean, a lot of you people out there have been asking me some great questions so far, um, just on a variety of topics, you know, some, some things that are pretty thought provoking and whatnot. Uh, and I love engaging in those combos. But I almost forgot to actually give the name of the news page. So the news page is More Than Us News on Instagram. So if you have Instagram, feel free to um, reach out there and go ahead and ask me questions. And so with that being said, it brings us to today's episode. Today's episode will be focused on a pretty hot topic right now that may seem confusing to some. That topic is contact tracing. So you may have never heard of the phrase contact tracing before, or maybe you have seen it um, across social channels and you were just kind of confused, like what is contact tracing? What does that really mean? Because I mean, in itself, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of an ambiguous term. When you think contact tracing, what do you really think to yourself? I don't know. I was um, I was gonna say I was confused at first, but I guess I don't know. I guess I was confused on exactly how the process worked or what exactly it was. Um, but now contact tracing has worked itself into our daily conversations about the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, CDC Director Robert Redfield has said that contact tracing is the key to halting the spread of the disease. So funny enough, it's not a new idea. It's just now very popular because people are starting to figure out, all right, we got this concept that's seemingly new, but what is it actually? Um, contact tracing is actually used all over the world and is based on the knowledge that someone with a contagious disease will infect a certain number of people. So with coronavirus, it's likely that someone with that contagious disease is likely gonna affect two or three people. So the goal with contact tracing is to track down anyone in recent contact with a newly diagnosed patient. And then from there, what you wanna do is monitor, or I guess what health officials wanna do is monitor the health of these contacts while they stay at home for a period of time, AKA quarantining, self-quarantining, will they stay at home for that period of time when they might become infected? Roughly, you know, like two weeks or so. That's that's typically what's been recommended for self-quarantine. So here in New York, I, I live in New York, if you uh, don't know. Um, here in New York, I've been seeing a lot of ads lately across social media, um, job boards, uh, and different outlets of that sort for people who are currently out of work to get involved as contact tracers. So contact tracers are the people who do the contact tracing. And that could be a very appealing way for people to supplement income, especially in a time like this where unemployment just hit 14.7%. And beyond that, you know, it's a well-intentioned deed. 
being a contact tracer. Um, as the U.S. hires, I mean, potentially hundreds of thousands of contact tracers to try and contain the coronavirus, health departments could look to models from areas um, in different continents, uh, such as Africa or regions like South Asia and Latin America, on how contact tracing has actually been successful in the past. So I spoke a lot about it, but I didn't actually say how it actually works. So let's take a look at how contact tracing actually works. So you can explain contact tracing in three simple steps, really. You can look at it as contact identification, contact listing, and then contact follow-up. So when you think of contact identification, you want to think about once someone is confirmed as infected with the virus, contacts are then identified by asking about the person's activities. And those activities and roles of people around them since the onset of the illness. So basically since that person was infected, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? And contacts can be anyone who has been in contact with that infected person, whether it be family members, you know, we're all in the house right now, work colleagues. So a few months ago, if you were in the office or you still have to go to work now um, and someone is infected, that would be someone that would need to be identified. Uh, friends or even healthcare providers, people at the hospitals who may have come in contact with infected individuals. So moving on from contact identification, then we go to contact listing. Now contact listing is basically looking at all people considered to have contact with the infected person that should be listed as contacts. So efforts should be made to identify every listed contact and to inform them of their contact status. So what it means, the actions that will follow and the importance of receiving early care if they develop the symptoms. Contacts should also be provided with information about prevention of the disease. In some cases, quarantine or isolation is required for high-risk contacts, either at home or in the hospital. For people who tend to be asymptomatic, more likely than not, you'll be quarantining at home. But obviously, if you have symptoms to the point where you need to be on a ventilator or something of the sort, you'll go to a hospital. And then lastly, contact follow-up. So regular follow-up should be conducted with all contacts to monitor symptoms and test for signs of infection. So it, the contact tracing doesn't stop at the point of understanding that the person has corona and we've identified them, we'll leave them quarantined and that'll be it. The follow-up part is a very key component because it helps health officials realize and it helps the community at large kind of realize, okay, this person had COVID-19, but now they don't have it. But let's make sure we follow up with this person, kind of keep tabs to an extent to see if COVID-19 became something that was reoccurring. So I was reading a, a NPR article the other day, and um, I was reading an excerpt by a guy named Raj Punjabi. So Raj has an organization called Last Mile Health. And what Last Mile Health has done in the past is they've helped set up contact tracing teams all around the world to help with other type of other types of uh, epidemics, such as Ebola and tuberculosis. 
So to point at a specific example, Roger's team helped set up um, a contact tracing infrastructure in West Africa, in Liberia, during the huge Ebola outbreak some years ago. So as the U.S. looks to contain the coronavirus so we can, you know, start up the economy again and get it reopened, Raj is also a strong proponent, a lot like Robert Redfield, the CDC director, that contact tracing could be a win-win situation for us. Similar to what I had mentioned earlier, Raj pointed out that, you know, the big question will be where will we get these hundreds of thousands of um, American contact tracers to actually perform the work? Well, we just so happen to, you know, be upon an economic crisis through this pandemic where a lot of people are unemployed. So if we can, you know, train enough people to be contact tracers, we just created a whole new industry for a lot of people to go back to work, at least for the time being. So thinking back to West Africa, like I said, it was very crucial in 2014 and 2015 to bring that Ebola outbreak to a close. In Liberia, the chain of transmission of the Ebola virus and driving the epidemic down to zero cases wouldn't have been possible without contact tracing. In some of the remote parts of Liberia, where uh, Raj's group, that Last Mile Health Organization was working, contact tracers were hired to investigate each Ebola case, track down all of the contacts of those diagnosed cases, and then identify them. The contact tracers got hired and they were chosen from within the community. So in a lot of remote or rural areas in many, many countries, not even specific to Africa, but since we're talking about the African country, Liberia, we'll keep it on Liberia. Um, there was a very localized approach. And the localized approach that was taken in Liberia is important because in those rural areas, in those rural communities, uh, trust is important. Outsiders come in from, you know, different NGOs and these big government organizations or um, other types of relief groups and they come into the communities and the fact of the matter is a lot of people don't trust them because they don't know them. So Raj's approach in this specific case was to pick leaders in the community, elders in the community, people who are well known because understanding that bridge of trust was essential to allowing this work to actually manifest itself and prove itself to be um, effective, quite frankly. So what they would do is they locate the listed contact and because they know the community and they have that trust, as I mentioned, they'd identify any additional contacts and from there, they could kind of fill the gaps of if anything was missed in the initial investigation or the, the initial um, identification of uh, contacts or outbreaks. So obviously we live in the year 2020 where technology is pretty advanced. So back in April, Apple and Google, who essentially account for most of the world's mobile operating systems, announced that they built coronavirus tracking technology for iOS and Android. Given that most of the world either uses an iPhone or an Android powered device that covers pretty much most of the market. And these apps that they are creating or planning to create rely on what we know as BLE, which is Bluetooth Low Energy, which are wireless radios that give off low energy signals for contact tracing. 
So basically the new tools will warn people about others they've been in contact with who are infected with Corona. Essentially speeding up the process, making it, quote, more efficient, a more efficient way of tracking the spread of the virus. So there are a whole host of countries that have already implemented the technological solutions, not specifically from Apple or Google, but a few countries have already implemented their own versions of um, mobile Corona tracing or Corona tracing apps or like these maps. Um, some of those countries are like obviously China, uh, Saudi Arabia, Colombia, uh, Czech Republic, Ghana, India, Israel, Malaysia, Norway. There are a few others as well. Um, those are just some of the countries that have used these mobile tracing apps and more or less they have been relatively successful. Now, here in America, a big issue that we kind of look at, at least from a general perception standpoint, is privacy and confidentiality. In America, we are the land of the free, the home of the brave, of course. And we hate for our rights to be infringed upon, specifically privacy. So I know um, I had talked to a few of my friends about this concept and they thought it was a great idea. But one of the big concerns was, OK, how is my data being used? We, we already know our data is being tracked pretty much at every step of the day. Um, we're always on cameras or being seen by cameras and our data is always being collected by apps such as Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. But how would that data be used if we now have this extra layer of surveillance being tracked by these mobile apps that are watching our movements, um, emitting waves uh, as we're around other people and inadvertently communicating with other people's cell phones, you know? So in the U.S., if we want to look kind of like at a state that has some form of this contact tracing so far, you can look at Utah. So Utah has a contact tracing system that makes the most extensive use of technology. In March, uh, back in March, the state partnered with this group called 20 to build an app. And now I think it's called Healthy Together. And they basically aim to connect contact tracers with people who are COVID-19 positive and then help the infected people use their smartphones to build a one week timeline basically of who they've been in contact with. So once you have the app, it tracks where you go and where you've been and who you've bumped into. And roughly 40,000 people from Utah, I think you can call them Utahns, whatever it may be, I think it's Utahns, I'm not sure, have downloaded the app. That's about 1% of the state's population. Now, a lot of epidemiologists think that 60% adoption of these forms of uh, contact tracing apps will actually be necessary for it to be effective. But I mean, regardless, it's helpful either way. It's a start. Let's say this small sample size proves itself to be effective, then we can kind of keep ramping it up from there. And I mean, maybe we can replicate this model, you know? If we don't employ, or if we don't go the route of employing um, actual humans to do this work. Another, I guess, kind of drawback to the technological solutions is that we're already so deep into the COVID-19 crisis, the, the margin of error is kind of small. Though we don't have a solution to everything, implementing 
uh, a full suite of a solution that will be very costly economically to roll out with the potential to fail on a larger scale could be much more harmful than actually using human capital to track um, to track the spread of the disease. So I mean, there's a lot to think about with this concept in general and how we kind of want to move forward as a society or as a community to effectively keep our, our people safe and aware of their COVID-19 status. But the introduction of contact tracing in itself, I believe is a very positive step towards at least getting, getting us to a place where people can feel safer as they navigate, you know, transitioning back into public life. So, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll see. All right, well, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of More Than Us. Like I said, follow the news page, More Than Us News. Let me know if you have any questions, feedback, comments, reach out, feel free to DM that page. Um, as always, make sure you got your mask on. If you leave the house, stay masked up. And yeah, I'll see you next week. Ciao.